you're listening to Art of the Flow. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of running a float center. We love to give tips on starting and running our own float centers. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, on Twitter at Artful Floating. Lance, where can they find uh, us on Instagram? Uh, it is Artful Floating on Instagram. It is Artful yep. Floating. Fantastic. Are we starting to see pictures up on there? I only saw one myself. Is that is it happening? No, there's a bunch on there. I think uh, nice. cool. we, we got a couple hundred followers in a few days. So thanks for Are you following us. Me? No, it's wow. all yeah. Thanks, Lance. Thanks for I love Instagram. <laughs> having us actually be on Instagram. <laughs> That's great. If anybody would like to be a part of the show, if you have any questions or input on any of the topics that we cover from the, our first episode till right now, um, leave a speak pipe. It's the gold bar on the left left side of artofthefloat.com, um, and go ahead and record a voicemail for us. Uh, we'll play it on the air and uh, answer your question, or just at least play your opinion, and of course, give our opinions back. Uh, that's also where you can find show notes, links, pictures that we talk about, things like Lance and uh, running chuck wagons, that kind of thing. Speaking of which, Lance, uh, Lance is one of our co-hosts here. He owns the Float Shack in Red Deer, Canada. Welcome, Lance. How are you doing? Uh, I'm a little bit under the weather, but I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Lance is going to get a little, bit of, a little bit of a pass tonight. He is uh, he's under the weather and might be a little quieter tonight, but uh, he is with us. Uh, Amy, uh, Float Nashville, how are you doing? Hey, y'all. Uh, I am doing fantastic. We are weathering some big storms here in Nashville today, but uh, everything else is pretty pretty sunny. All right. If uh, if we lose connection with you, we'll we'll call the EMTs. I'm sure we'll get somebody over for you. Um, uh-huh. Thanks. I am Dylan Calm. Uh, my wife Sandra and I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. And uh, yeah, you know, something that I I realized at the top of the show, maybe we should give a little bit of different info about our business every time, like just in case um, somebody's jumping in for the first time. I was thinking about how we're coming up on five years for our business. Amy, you are at about, is it three or three and a half? We are almost at three almost as at three. of September 27th. Yay, congratulations. Cool. How awesome. Hey, thank you. Lance, how, Feels good. how old is your business? Uh, next week, I think we'll be two. Two years old. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, those God, those I terrible twos, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, it's the first good. year is so much fun, Lance. I know you've had so much fun your first year, but... <laughs> That second year. Oh, no, you just experienced your second year, huh? Yeah. yeah. You, no, it's you know. been good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I am extremely excited later into the show <clears throat> to bring on Mike Arnison from Upbuild. Uh, Mike Arnison is an SEO guru. I think I could say that. Maybe he'll correct me later. We'll find out. But uh, he um, certainly knows his SEO. He is also an entrepreneur, so he started his own SEO company because he knows what's going on in the world of SEO um, like most people don't. I mean, he he's really good. I'm quite excited and honored to have him on the show with us tonight. So um, I'll be really excited to talk with him um, about uh, SEO and also just about being a, an entrepreneur and how that's been for him. Uh, well, before we get started... Oh, yeah, Lance. Just uh, before we... Uh... Sort of scared, he went away. SEO means search engine optimization. <laughs> so it's not that scary. It's a very helpful tool to stay tuned here. <laughs> That's a good point, Lance. Thank you. <laughs> I'd say most people don't know what SEO stands for. So uh, um, 
I want to talk about your guys' weeks. I want to, I want to catch up with you guys. Uh, but first, I want to give a shout-out to FloatAway. Uh, FloatAway.com is where you can check them out. My favorite thing that I've been noticing recently is, uh, so I'm, I'm doing consulting, which is really cool, um, and, uh, and, and usually just talk with anybody, uh, you know, over email or Skype or what have you, and uh, they'll, they'll get real quiet on the phone, and they'll say, hey, so uh, when you're buying a float tank, I mean, do you really consider FloatAway? Like, what's your, what's your real opinion? And uh, I go, of course, yeah, that's why they're on the show. That's why they're a sponsor. We're, we're a tiny community, and we just get to choose who we, who we really like. So, yeah, of course, I, I totally promote our, our uh, sponsor, FloatAway. And like I said in the last episode, we're, um, I think in the last episode I said we're thinking about getting a, a Tranquility replacement tank for our, I believe it's a 2008 model, uh, where somebody had owned it before, modified it to a uh, Frankensteinian uh fashion and um so we're getting a brand new one which is super exciting so as of today um we have kind of handshake agreed to uh purchasing a new float away tranquility float tank so i'm really excited about that so uh you don't you don't have to whisper next time we're skyping if you're asking about my opinions uh it's true they're, they're not just a sponsor I, I genuinely truly love these float tanks um Oh, also, one other thing before we get to uh, our, our weeks is it just a little update here. And Amy might be able to provide a little bit more information on, a, on the exact situation. Um, but uh, I think Amy had reported that the fibro float, uh, fibromyalgiaflotationproject.com is no longer active. So it looks like uh, they have officially shut it down. I think um, Amy was setting something up on there and saw the, that it's... yeah. Yeah, so there is a note up now letting everyone know they're not accepting any more um, any more new floaters for the program, and they are going to be wrapping up the uh, coll data collection. So we did get an email earlier this year. I think everybody got the email earlier this year um, mentioning they weren't allowing any more float centers to sign on, um, but we had two people interested. They went to the website, and they uh, clients had actually pointed it out to us. So unfortunately, at this point, it looks like no more signups for the uh, float uh, fibromyalgia flotation project, which I'm excited to see the results, but I'm kind yeah. of sad to see it go. Yeah, it's it definitely. Was, it was a lot of fun. Yes, it was um, always fun to be able to tell clients about that, and um, you could definitely work out your own arrangements in your float center. But uh, that was that was always a really cool thing. That um, kind of just uh, you know, it's interesting to be able to go into a float center, have an ailment, and have that company and that business like be aware of you in the first place where fibromyalgia is something where a lot of people don't have an understanding of what it is. Some people don't believe it even exists. And we're saying we do believe it exists and we want to learn from you about this because we feel like there's a relationship that works here, like that the, the floating benefits this and, and, and you like us, you like what we're doing. So it is a little sad to see it go, but I think we'll learn a lot about uh, the relationship that we really do have from the stats that they learn from this. So um, I think in the email they put out at the beginning of the year, they said that we'll find out at the end of the year what that information kind of collates to. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And I do want to point out that you can go to the Fibromyalgia Flotation Project website, and there is now a box to sign up so that you can get the results directly to your inbox as well. Sweet, so cool. uh, that might be something that y'all are interested in. So you can keep up to date and share the information with your clients. There, awesome. Thank there you. also is the MediFloat program out there as well that um, Travis McLaren nice. has put on. And there's quite a few centers that are running that. And that also incorporates fibromyalgia in there as, long, uh, as well as other chronic pain issues. So if you are looking to incorporate some sort of medical float program, um, 
you can message me or message Travis McLaren at cloud nine float in Abbotsford, BC, and uh, should be able to hook you up. Yeah. that, that And Lance, oh, go ahead. is that something that's available outside of Canada oh, yeah. as well? Yeah. It's just, um, it's just, it's similar to the fibromyalgia program where there's a questionnaire before and after, and then you just put the results together and submit them online. And then we all collab and share the information, but we have a um, paper form and there is an electronic form too. So people can just use an iPad or something like that. So I know a lot of people, and I, I've seen this on float tank facilitators, the Facebook group, which if anybody's not a part of it, I encourage you to join. Um, discussion of of research and things outside of fibromyalgia and this would be the place to go obviously a now for fibromyalgia but for multiple or different types of medical conditions um that's awesome uh lance what is color me rad uh color me rad is a five kilometer run where you get bombarded with different powdered colors and gels and stuff like that (laughs) so the whole race you're running and they're just soaking you with color um, but that sounds we, super fun. Oh, it, it was, it was, it looks like a lot of fun. I didn't get to participate, but I did volunteer. Um, we were lucky nice. enough that, um, Trika, the president of CSC was able to hook us up with, uh, color me rad. And, um, we were able to volunteer there and each of our, the times we volunteered, they, um, donated money to us and that helps us pay for our insurance we need and web hosting costs and email and all that other stuff. So Wow. Just want to give a big thank you to everyone that came out and helped. We had, I think, six or seven different float center owners out, all gathered no in one place to uh, raise some money for the Canadian Float Collective. So, big wow, thank you to that everyone. Is so cool. I know Friday it was pouring rain, and all these floatings, all the floaters were just laughing and having fun. And you know, it, um, <laughs> the the true colors should do. Do sure shine. That's oh, for sure. That's sweet. So, Yay, that's so cool. We don't know how much uh, money we wait. Re- oh, I can't okay. talk, guys. I'm a little bit sick. We don't know how much money we w- raised yet, but <laughs> <laughs> when we do, I will pass it out to you. So cool. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> well, Ooh. on behalf of Art of the Flow, we we thank you guys for <laughs> helping support the CFC. That is so cool. Thank you so much. I love that. Did you say six or seven people showed up? Uh, yeah, I was only there for, for owners. I was only there for Friday, but Saturday um, there was quite a few other people that drove, you know, from different cities and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll get <laughs> the, the so actual cool. numbers. But there's some cool photos and stuff cool. we've posted. And, yeah. Thank you. Cool. Um, let's see here. As far as my week goes, it's been pretty interesting. Uh, as you may have seen, if you haven't already heard it, there's a bonus episode between last week's and uh, today's episode. Um, it's about flooding. I had a, had a flood and the float center. It isn't my first flood, so at least I uh, was able to handle it uh, pretty in a pretty mellow way. Um, in fact, my the best compliment I heard was uh, sis, uh, Sandra's sister-in-law actually listened to the episode, and she said, you guys are going to be great parents. You're just going to be great parents. And I was like, what does this flood have to do with, with parenting? And she goes, you guys handled it really well. You got stressed out um, talking about it. You started kind of picking at each other. You recognized it. You, you know, figured out how to talk uh, appropriately to each other and then went back to fixing the problem or whatever, you know, the future of fixing future problems. And well done for that. And I was like, oh, right, good, good, yes. Uh, if that 
<laughs> goes to good parenting, that'll be awesome. Because the other really exciting news is we found out we're having a baby girl. It's got to be a girl. Yay. So I'm so excited I about love that. love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, good. I earned that. Um, it was so much fun because instead of just having the doctor tell us, although as so many people these days, it's very popular to not find out, uh, to wait till the day of. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's information. I, I want to have it. I was really excited to. Um, so we didn't have the doctor uh, tell us on the spot, but I was really disappointed because the girl who did it, she, she was a, a tech. She wasn't the actual doctor doctor. Um, I could totally get reads from her. So like how quickly she went through it. Um, I realized seeing that it's a boy might be a little bit faster. And then while she was talking about the little one's spine while doing the sonogram, uh, she said his spine. And I was like, oh, Sandra didn't notice, but I did. And I was like, well, that kind of deflates that. So I, I knew the answer beforehand. Um, but, you know, we were doing a reveal party. So what we did is we had the owner of another business in our parking lot, Moberry Bicycle Powered Smoothies, uh, look at the answer and text um, uh, Sandra's sister-in-law's mom, uh, who baked a cake with the colored frosting of, of the gender, which is, is pretty fun. Or, no, 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 not the gender, the sex. That's very important. Gender is how you identify. Sex is the chromosomal expression. So um, I was schooled in that several times in the past few days. So um, we cut through the cake. Everybody, family, friends there, and uh, it was pink. It was a baby girl. I was totally <laughs> wrong, which means I was shocked and completely floored and so happy. I'm so happy to be having a baby girl. Oh, my goodness. I won't, I won't, how, I, t I said a, a few episodes ago, I'm not going to make this the Dylan's baby show, but uh, I, I am very <laughs> excited. Um, also, uh, we had a fire inspection a few weeks ago as well. Uh, so this week we did a lot of things to, to make sure everything was completely up to snuff. And so uh, we, we got that taken care of as well. So next week uh, we will have our fire inspection and we should pass everything with flying colors. So that'll be really cool. So um, everything that we needed ordered is shipped and been installed as of today. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and say knock on wood, but everything should be ready to go. Oh, the other really fun thing that we did was Facebook Live. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you have to. I, I thought last week's episode was fascinating. And um, having Dan on the show was a ton of fun. Talking about employee incentives was very interesting. Um, and this kind of the surprise hit for me was talking about Facebook Live and what Lance did um, with he garnered Lance. Do you know how many views you've had now on on your? Um, well, let's see here. You did um, you did a Facebook Live tour of the of the uh, float center, and then even more recently, you did a contest. It, you know, hold off on the contest numbers. I want to hear about that. But I was inspired by him, so I did a tour of of the float shop, uh, which at this point has um, one thousand nine hundred and eighty five. Uh, what is it? It's reached that many people and it's had 820 views, which is, I, I don't know, pretty damn good numbers for us for little old float shop. That's pretty impressive. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And um, now that we're moving outside of Portland and we're going to be making trips into Portland, what I think we'll do um, if we figure out the right time to have Facebook Live to get the most viewers, live viewers, is um, do a weekly Facebook Live event, um, if, if you want to call it an event, but basically tours of the rooms, interviewing of clients, uh, Q&As, you know, just all the, all the interesting things that come up with floating you can do produced videos, and those are awesome. By all means, they have a ton of value, but there's so much excitement, and the algorithm with Facebook Live pushes it to so many people. Um, to just uh, to do this right now is awesome. Uh, is, is as far as I can tell, like guaranteed good for your business. So, um, Amy, I know you did some Facebook Live activity. Yeah. Well, we have spent, and I say we, uh, my my business partner Mark and I have spent this past week talking a lot about our strategy for social media. This is another episode, but we did hire someone to help with social media, and we have been evaluating what that's done for us, um, what we liked, mm -hmm. what we didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so after spending a week talking about it, um, I admit I'm the shy one. I'm super shy. I don't <laughs> like being in front of a camera. <laughs> It's even hard for me to be here with these guys. But wow. um, today I'm like, just screw it. <laughs> screw it. I'm going to do it. Um, so we did. We actually focused on a question that comes up a lot mm. for us. And that is, um, is the open tank the same experience as a closed tank? It's a barrier that we're trying to break through. Uh, and so we decided to talk a little bit about that open tank and talk about uh, the experience and try to get people to say, hey, yeah, I went from a closed tank to an open tank and it was mm -hmm. great and I love yep. it. Um, so we did that at uh, noon today. Actually, I think it was a little closer to 1 p.m. my time. And since then, we have reached 1,085 people nice. with 338 views. Wow. That is impressive, man. That is impressive. Uh, for something that literally has zero production... <laughs> You know, it's hitting a button on your iPhone and being able to talk. I just can't believe the free advertising that comes with that. It's fantastic. And it seems to keep pushing it, too. Uh, that's what I found. I was seeing seeing numbers that I was like, cool, with, with the, the my float shop Facebook Live video. But over the next 24 hours, it garnered a lot more views, uh, too. So. And, and Dylan, how, how long ago? Because I remember watching your tour. Uh, when was that? I, I the day escapes me at the moment. You know, How long has it been? The day escapes me as well. I'd have to look it up here. If you'll just hold on one moment, I'll, I'll pull it up here. Um, oh, and, and you know what? I should give the caveat, which is I shared this in the Float Facilitators group. So it could be inflated numbers because of other float centers checking it out. I don't know how much that would actually blow it up. But something I've heard is that if you say, um, if you're watching the video, Amy, your friends can see an icon that says Amy is watching Facebook Live video of the float shop, and they might watch it as well. So if Juan is watching my Facebook Live video, then his friends might start watching it too, which could inflate my number. So mine should be taken with a grain of salt for sure. Um, and I just wanted people on Float Facilitators to be able to watch it, judge it, and critique me because I want to be a lot better at this because it seems to have a lot of value. Um, let's see here. I published it on June 23rd at noon is when I recorded. So noon is probably the worst time possible to do a Facebook live video now that I think about it. Um, but, uh, it's been what, five days since, since that's been out. 
Um, and, and did you say yours was today that you, you did yours? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, mine was today. Yeah. I'd say that's some pretty rocking numbers. Are you feeling pretty good about that? You know, I really am. Uh, we actually set up a, a schedule over the next four weeks with some topics, and we wrote down some times. I'm going to do a little more studying on that. Uh, but it'll be interesting just to collect data. I think this, you know, right now it's brand new. Facebook is the algorithms have changed to really um, push video out. So we'll see how long. You got to ride it while you can. I, this won't be like this forever, right. I'm exactly, sure. Exactly, exactly. Which is why I really encourage everybody to get to that episode, the Facebook Live episode, just because, yeah, this, I mean, isn't that just true with, with, advertising and media in everything these days is you have to jump on it while it's hot. I mean, that was what Lance, I think, was was uh, really preaching last week, was get on it now, and that algorithm is pushing it so hard right now, use it. Thank you so much, Emmy. Thank you for sharing. And uh, again, Facebook Live, everybody, I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, before we move on and introduce Mike, I want to give a shout out to the Float Conference. Uh, floatconference.com is where you can buy your tickets. I highly encourage everybody in the community to visit. If you're in the process of um, planning your business, this is going to be so important. And it's amazing how many people continue to show up for the Float Conference year after year just because it keeps you up to date and you get to see all the friends that you make at the Float Conference. One of the things this year that you can check out um, on Friday, since there are all the different events that we have on Fridays, is Soul of the Industry. And that's going to be led, uh, led by Dan Larson. And that was mentioned in the Float Conference email that came out. So that's going to be a really interesting one. Um, the, the Float community is known for being a different kind of community. There is soul in this community. We do care for each other in a really different way than I think a lot of other industries are out there. And I think we care for our clients in a really different way. Than, than a lot of different industries out there. And so um, I think Dan's gonna be talking about how our industry is different and how we can maintain that and really um, keep that foundation as, as this industry grows and more and more of that uh, mighty dollar bill uh, keeps coming into the industry and, and influencing it. So that should be really um, interesting and cool. So um, check that out if you like, if you can make it early uh, for the float conference. Again, that's on Friday. Uh, again, it's floatconference.com, and the actual conference is August 20th and 21st. So, uh, now I would like to introduce Mike Arnison. Mike is an entrepreneur, he's an SEO expert, I, I think we can say expert, and a founder of Upbuild. How are you doing, Mike? Doing really well, Dylan. Nice. Is it okay to call you an expert on SEO? Yeah, sure, go right ahead. <laughs> nice, excellent. I think there's some blog posts out there that make similar claims, so I'm used to it. Nice, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for um, having me on. Absolutely. It's, it's an honor to, ha honor to have you on. Um, you know, I want to talk about your entrepreneurial journey, but first, um, can you just give me a little background, um, your background in SEO? Yeah. So uh, I'll try to keep this relatively short because it's kind of a long <laughs> story, but I completely fell into SEO. Uh, I had absolutely no intention of doing anything on the internet or marketing uh, when I was growing up. Uh, I actually went to college and got a degree in history because uh, I loved it. I loved reading. I loved like analyzing things that had happened and that was really cool to me. Uh, but I realized upon graduation that I didn't really want to do anything that a history degree would allow me to do. So I ended up, uh, another long story, taking a job at MySpace. Before that was, uh, before that whole thing got like decidedly uncool, <laughs> uh, and uh, while I was there, learned web development and huh. uh, kind of just by chance got exposed to this idea of SEO and decided that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, I 
you know, if you guys seen it, the movie from the 90s, Hackers, I was yes. like, SEO makes me feel like I'm like, you know, zero cool from that movie. I want to figure out how I make this a career. So I moved from California to That's Portland awesome. and said, I'm going to figure out how to make my living doing this. Um, wow. Started out doing SEO for a yoga studio that I worked at as the office manager. Uh, ended up kind of parlaying that into a job in web development where I did, uh, kind of started our SEO program over there. And then joined a couple agencies and uh, years and years later now I'm kind of doing my own thing. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about that, but maybe actually this just just came to me. But can we learn a little bit about more more about you and your interests? You were talking about managing a yoga studio. Are are do you practice yoga? Was that a big influence on you? You know, it's funny. I've definitely fallen out of practice. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always kind of been. I mean, the whole theme of my life is optimization. Uh, so it's always <laughs> been like, you know, yoga is cool because it like optimizes my flexibility and my health. Uh, you know, I became vegan in two thousand and two uh in the pursuit of better health uh i've been doing like you know meditation and then of course like bodybuilding it's kind of been like a a secondary passion for a long time which is uh how i've met a a number of great people and uh yeah i mean that's just kind of been the thing and that i've always carried with me is like i want to figure out how to make every aspect of my life better and uh seo fit really well into that yoga fit really well into that and now it's like you know uh spending time with other entrepreneurs is a great way to do that as well i love that Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Well, let's speak about that. Let's talk about that. How, how did you, what were you doing SEO wise initially and how has that become your own business? Yeah. So, uh, I always like to tell this story about, uh, my first day in my real SEO job where SEO was actually in my title. Uh, so the first thing I had was I was working on Nike.com and they had me spend the whole day reading blog posts and highlighting words that we could link to other pages on the site. That's all I did. Uh, and so that was like the first couple weeks uh, up to a month on the job, like doing this super uh, mind-numbing task. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's what I ended up doing. And so that's how, how I started. And uh, from there, actually, at this, this same agency that I was at, I ended up uh, kind of rising through the ranks. And uh, it, was, it was a really awesome opportunity uh, in that I was able to prove myself and kind of like mm. pursue cool ideas and be like, hey, what if we did this for the company? Or what if we like changed our SEO strategies to be more progressive and uh, uh, more open and share what we know. And uh, it it was really helpful in building a reputation for this agency I was at and for progressing my own career, of course. And uh, that at one point, it just suddenly made a lot of sense to uh, branch out on my own. Well, uh, I, I want to step back. I know a little yeah. bit about you here, and I, I think there was a little bit more to it. Like, I've, yes. I've heard about you um, giving speeches at conferences, maybe perhaps being in demand. Is that true? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing I started doing um, just for fun, kind of. Uh, so I had always been very, I, I guess for the first two or three years of being in SEO, I was very insecure about SEO. I actually had a boss that told me I wasn't good at SEO uh, in the beginning, which was fun and a great management tactic, apparently. Right, right. Uh, That's (laughs) that's how you motivate your employees, tell them they're no good. Uh, So I I came into this position being like pretty insecure about it. And I was always, Mm. um, we'll talk about this later with, uh, you know, doing SEO for a float business. But like one of the things I've never been great at, and uh, fortunately it's really worked out for me, uh, is I've just been terrible at building links to sites. And that's the practice of going out and trying to manually, kind of by force of effort, get people to link to your site from their site. Oh, okay. uh, so there's a lot of tactics. And I've always kind of like not been super comfortable about it. It always felt a little slimy to me. 
uh, to like go out and try to trick people into linking to your site. And so I always you. thought like I'm not, maybe I'm not cut out for SEO, but I really like the mm. technical end. Uh, and actually, my first uh, exposure or to the idea that like, hey, I can like maybe make a name for myself and like maybe I can speak at conferences too, was actually there was a, there's a conference that happens every year here in Portland, Oregon called Search Fest where a lot of industry speakers come. It's a full day of uh, great presentations. They have four different tracks that you can go to. Uh, but one guy who was, at the time, he was the lead SEO at REI. Uh, he came and he spoke about like the geekiest SEO stuff ever, which is like, how do you make your website faster so Google will like think your site is a great user experience? Which is like, Whoa. okay, one, I like that because it makes the web better. Two, like, I know how to do that kind of stuff. And like, I didn't think you could be like, quote unquote, SEO famous talking about that stuff. And his whole presentation was like Battlestar Galactica themed. So it like had all, the, I was like, oh my God, I want to be this guy. Uh, ah, that's awesome. So I kind of started doing some stuff locally. I started blogging. Uh, I had another kind of industry contact uh, that I kind of met and got to spend some time with. He had, you know, five years uh, of SEO experience on me. And he was like, you know what? Just start small, focus on like helping people learn stuff and mm -hmm. like, that's a great way to boost your career. So I started with like local WordPress meetups, started doing like some oh, blog posts. And when they were good enough, I'd like, I put them on my employer site when I thought they were like, you know, maybe too like angsty. And I was like going off on a tangent about something in the industry. I'd like post on my personal blog. Oh, and then suddenly after, you know, a while, uh, I just kind of was like, oh yeah, that's the guy that like talks a lot about technical SEO and talks about uh, the Google authorship thing, which we don't need to get into. It was, like, it was a whole thing with Google Plus when that was still a thing people uh -huh. did. Um, so <laughs> I, I kind of like just lucked out uh, in getting really attached to these topics and being very vocal about mm. it, which is super fun. Like, you know, my whole career is just like being a geek and like somehow that's worked out for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I, a, that's awesome. But I, I'm always a little trepidatious when somebody uses the word luck that you've been, that you've been lucky <laughs> because... Clearly, you have the drive and the brain that, at the very least, you've been using luck. I mean, I mean, even like just putting those posts out there and everything isn't—that's not luck. That's your work ethic, consistently putting out your thoughts, um, and doing it in an intelligent manner. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would agree actually. <laughs> okay. Um, and and then so, tell me about starting your business. And I'm also just curious on a personal note, just like how fearful were you? Uh, you're a, a married man. I mean, you owned a house, and I mean, you you need to pay your mortgage. Yeah. Like, what was what was your fear level at? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was absolutely terrifying, and it, it still has those uh, ups and downs, as I'm sure mm. uh, pretty much every entrepreneur can attest <laughs> to. Is like. You know, it's either great or like your world is crumbling around you. Uh, and that'll alternate day to day, maybe. Uh, so the story of me founding my own company uh, really came, I always kind of joke that it was the product of having, basically ha getting, creating, and then losing the best job I ever had, uh, which was the previous agency I was at. And uh, I mean, I, as a history major, there's this kind of quote about history and revolutions, uh, and that revolutions don't start when things are at their worst, they start when things begin to get better. Um, so what I had seen at the agency I was at before is I had some really great opportunity to kind of progress the culture of our agency to like make it a, a more progressive place to work, uh, more kind of uh, human focused and be like, you know what, why don't we treat our people really well and that's going to allow us to do better work and like do greater SEO. 
so I had a little bit of opportunity to do that stuff. And then uh, without getting into a lot of the details, the company was acquired. Um, it didn't end up being the right fit for me. I won't get into the reasons, but it was very clear. And I decided, like, you know, I know I'm not going to be happy here within a year. Like, maybe it's time to pull the plug. And uh, kind of just decided, like, okay, uh, I don't want to tell you guys I'm in this uh, to win this uh, when I'm not. So, like, okay, right. let's part ways. And so I basically spent three weeks thinking about, like, what do I want to do next? Uh, do I want to, like, join a major company and, like, be their in-house SEO person and, like, mm -hmm. be in their office every day? I'd essentially go from what I was used to, which is having, like, 24 clients that I'm working mm -hmm. on to, like, having one client full-time. It's like mm -hmm. I'd get to know one business really well. So that was kind of appealing. But then the other thing that was, like, always in the back of my head was, like, I could try to do consulting on my own terms. Uh, that could be really cool. And really the thing that... Uh, I really liked, and this is um, a variation on a Bob Marley song, and I've never really been a Marley fan, um, but I wrote on my wall uh, after the first week of being unemployed, um, build the life that you love and love the life that you build, uh, because I wanted to make sure that whatever I was going to do, it was going to lead toward the life that I wanted to have for myself and my wife and like our future family. Like We kind of want to have kids in the next couple of years, and like, do I really want to go in-house and, you know? maybe slave away 50, 60 hours a week mm. uh, in a position where, like, you know, I'll, I'll have good uh, professional opportunities, I'll have some mm -hmm. good growth opportunities, but really, it's not going to get me to where I want to go. Like, what I want to be able to do is I want to be home seven days a week and, like, work in a home office and nice. make my own hours and, like, call the <laughs> shots and be like, hey, if there's a company that's like, we want to use SEO to get people to our site so we can, like, sell their information to our ad network providers, I'm like, I don't want to work with those businesses. Uh, I would love to be the person that says no to them. Right. Um, <laughs> nice. So the initial idea was like, okay, let me take two months and see if this is something I can do. Um, so I, did, I had no intention at the time of starting my own company, but I sent really? out a quick an email blast. I actually, what, the literally, what I literally did was exported my LinkedIn contacts uh, that I had kind of aggregated over the years, and I put that into a MailChimp newsletter subscription list. And I sent them an email. It was like I spent a lot of time on this email, made it like made sure it was very transparent and like heartfelt and like from the heart, mm -hmm. uh, and said, "Hey, you know, I decided like after five years in this other position, um, I'm jumping out on my own. I kind of want to take on like two or three clients uh, and help them out. Like I want to get to know a few businesses pretty intimately and do great SEO for them. And let me know if you're interested." Um, and essentially, right away, I had more business than I knew what I could uh, do with. <laughs> Uh, and I had to hire someone really quickly within six months. Uh, I somehow needed a team of four. Uh, now oh. Upbuild is a team of five people. Uh, we're all <laughs> totally full-time, uh, got wow. you know, benefits and payroll and all that wow. stuff. Uh, so Damn, it really blew Mike. up without, <laughs> uh, without me really intending it to do that. Uh, and I mean, my commitment to my team that I've kind of always told each of them from day one is like, I want you to have the kind of like professional life that I wanted when I started this. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. one of the things that we tell uh, everybody on our team, and we actually use this as a value proposition to our clients, is like, we're going to give you people who are able to have healthy work-life balances, who are going to be able to like take care of themselves. They're not going to be pulling their hair out and like staying at the office till nine o'clock. Nice. Like they're going to work when they want, when they can do their best work. And that's going to directly impact the results they get from you, uh, for you. Um, and so that's kind of like, it's a very kind of, almost controversial take on SEO in an industry that's traditionally like 
get as many clients as you can and like get that revenue up uh, or else. Uh, right. And so it's a kind of a, a counterintuitive business model to be like, you know, let's, let's focus on the people first and see how that goes. And so you, you become a bit of a, a premium level than SEO company. Right. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and the thing that uh, I'll refrain from using the, the term luck uh, anymore, but I mean, it, it's <laughs> a direct you. extension of, you know, <laughs> making that kind of reputation for myself through blogging and public speaking. Like if I hadn't put in that groundwork over the mm -hmm. previous like five, six years, like there's no way this would have been possible. So like that all made this uh, yes. something that could happen. And otherwise, I mean, I love there'd it. be no way. Mm -hmm. I love it. That is Awesome and fantastic. Congratulations. What a cool story. I Thank absolutely you. love it. Um, as far as your, I, I, know, I mean, there's a, a ton of questions I could ask around this, and I do want to get to the SEO, I promise. But um, how has your hiring process been? And are, are they all, has every hire been perfect? Uh, or have you had any issues with that? Yeah. I mean, I count myself as extraordinarily blessed in that I haven't made a misstep in hiring yet. Nice. Uh, because through the process of, you know, going to different conferences over the years, just meeting a lot of people, oh. um, I've known everybody prior to hiring them. Um, awesome. so I've ne I, at this point I haven't actually done, uh, I guess you call it quote unquote, quote unquote cold hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been very fortunate to like, okay, I know I want to work with this person. Like, let's talk and see if they'll come in. Um, and for our last po uh, job position, we hired a very, very senior level person, and I put out like the ad, I ran the ads on LinkedIn. Uh, basically, I wanted somebody, we can get into this a little more, but I needed somebody to help me out with the day-to-day -day as I decided to pick up uh, and sell my home and travel the country for three months while running the business. Uh, more on that later, of course, but uh, I needed to hire somebody for that role, and I put an ad on LinkedIn, like spent a couple hundred bucks trying to get like visibility for that, and mm. you know, the, the, it just didn't get me the right people that I wanted to hire, and mm. I ended up just like pinging someone I knew in the industry on Twitter, and it was basically like, hey, you have that job posting up, like, should we talk? And I was like, yeah, I think we should talk, and then like, you know, <laughs> fast forward, like cutscene. okay, now we're working together. Um, wow. So I've been pretty lucky so far. I think we're actually coming up on a point pretty quickly where I'm going to be putting up the first job posting where I'm like, I don't know who I need to fill, or who is going right. to fill this. So that'll be an interesting experiment. Wow. So yeah. you are pulling veteran SEO people from corporate gigs, basically, into your company? A little bit. And the other side, actually, <laughs> is uh, I'm trying to also set up a system, and this is something that it was going to have to evolve organically, but like making an in-house training system where like we can grow our own talent as well. Uh, right now, in the early stages, like we kind of need senior people, but actually, uh, the first employee of Upbuild was uh, a guy I'd interviewed for a junior level position uh, at my last agency. It turned out like it just wasn't the right time to make that hire, um, and uh, I connected with him a couple months later. And I was like, "Hey, so like you had some really great interviews with us uh, when I was at this company. Mm -hmm. I'd love to extend you a job offer if you're interested." And he was like, "Yeah, great." He was right out of college. Uh, oh, wow. He'd done some like limited SEO for a, a play theater group. Um, that he was uh, interning at. And I was like, it sounds like you are into this and I want to show you how to do it at a really awesome high level. Wow. So let's work together. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Again, I just love it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, and yeah, way to, way to um, I don't know, build the foundation or pave the road for your future there. Yeah, it seems like you never were kicking back and just coasting. You were always 
always working it, and that totally paid off when it seems like you made the, made the choice to make a leap. I mean, that's just amazing. Something we talk about a lot on the show is taking a minute to celebrate um, and to honestly pat yourself on the back sometimes. Do you, do you take the time to appreciate what you've created and where you're at? You know, it's actually um, funny that you asked that because I think this is, might be like the first week where I've like wanted to actually do that and been like, you know what? I'm actually in a pretty good place. Like uh, previously, you know, it's always been like, okay, like this is great, but when is the floor going to drop out? And I'm going to be like, oh, there's no money in the bank account and everybody's (laughs) laid off and uh, let me go see if I can get my old retail job back at Best Buy. Oh, no. (laughs) Nice. Um, But yeah, so now, uh, I mean, today was extraordinary. Actually, uh, we signed three new clients today, which is like unheard of. Uh, A lot of things that have been in the pipeline for ages uh, just all came together. So like, Okay, we're looking pretty good. So I think we'll, we'll do some celebrating this weekend. It'll be a good 4th of July. Oh, cool. Nice. Awesome. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, Three thank clients you. For, for a company that's not taking on a ton of clients. That's, that's huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. Um, congrats. I want to hear more about the three-month vacation, particularly since uh, Sandra and I might be taking an RV vacation as well. So I want to learn from you. But uh, um, I do want to jump into the SEO portion. And so Lance told us, SEO at the top of the show, search engine optimization. That's the truth. But I have a feeling when I'm going to ask you what SEO is, there might be a longer answer than that, maybe a little more in-depth. So, Mike, what is SEO? Yeah. I think SEO is really, when you get to the heart of it, it's about allowing a machine to understand your business or your site as well as you do and as well as your customers do. Um, the, there's a, a classic analogy, and there's actually a, a close industry friend of mine who named his business after this idea. But um, it's the idea that Google is like a blind five-year-old. And you need to make your site uh, in, uh, basically understandable to someone who can't see, who's not like super developed mentally at that point mm-hmm. yet. Uh, that's like where their machine is. Uh, and that's oh, responsible for, in a lot of cases, like that's going to be 70% of the traffic that comes to your website is like in the hands of this, you know, <laughs> non-human uh, intelligence. Uh, so it, it definitely pays off. And that's really the challenge is like, how do you make that understand what you're doing and what you right. offer to people? Um, so yeah, that, that's SEO in a nutshell. Uh, and I always like, like the term like search experience optimization a little better. Uh, <laughs> cool. Is like, you know, we want to make sure that the people who are looking for what we have to offer are able to find it. Like, uh, and of course that goes back to like my, uh, I guess, quote unquote, I've been called a hippie for like how I think about SEO, but like, I don't want to trick people into coming to sites. Like I'd rather find the people who actually want to be there Mm -hmm. and get them, uh, get them connected with the information they want. And that's what Google wants to do at the end of the day. Is that right? Is that right? Cool. Well, you, um, you definitely, I think are speaking to the minds of uh, the people on the podcast here and have a feeling to the listeners of the show too. I think that the hippie style makes a lot more sense than tricking people into floating yeah. <laughs> for, for our industry here. Um, so, oh gosh, there was something that, uh, I'll get back to that. Um, let's jump on the, we're all small business owners here. I mean, most of us have one brick and mortar. Uh, how much can we influence our SEO? from our website? Or is there more than just beyond our website? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you can do to impact your SEO. And really, I mean, this is kind of hilarious to me uh, in that, you know, people like all of you kind of get 
like, okay, to be successful, I need to act like a real business. Uh, and then at the same time, we get companies that are like, you know, post Series B investment, and they've like gotten one hundred million dollars in funding, and they want to know every way that they can shortcut the system and like not do things that like real businesses do. It's like make us show up on Google, uh, and we're like, okay, like, uh, can we have your buy-in to like write blog posts? Can we interact with your customers? And they're like, well, why? Uh, <laughs> it's like, got it. Got existing it. is not enough reason to you know justify showing up well on Google. Uh, and what Google really wants, um, and this is the funny thing, I always play you know, a Google advocate, I guess, and the thing is, they want to return sites that are going to give searchers a good experience, uh, because of anything, like whether it's uh, you searching on Google, or Bing, or Ask, or uh, DuckDuckGo even, um, if they're not returning good results to you, if they're returning junk, and it's like, these aren't real businesses, like they right. don't have good content, you're going to go to a different search engine as a sure. searcher. So, like, it's their vested interest to make sure, like, let's identify brands and companies that are doing something legitimate uh, and providing good experiences, and, like, let's have them show up at the top of our search results. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, like, usually uh, a big uh, kind of challenge to, to talk mm -hmm. about when you're working with new clients sometimes. Uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> do, do real business stuff. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, I'm, I'm glad. I th yeah, I think you're right. I think the float community is a little ahead of the curve on that one, that if, if that's true. Um, so you mentioned Google, you mentioned Bing, DuckDuckGo. Um, how much of the market does Google have? I mean, is Google, that's all, I mean, I'm assuming that's the one you want to cater to. Am I right? And is Bing real? <laughs> is that worth considering? Yeah, yeah it, it can run the gamut depending on the industry you're in and depending on just your customers. Mm. Um, so I would say like for a tech company, uh, if you're selling like software online, 95% of your traffic is going to be from Google. Uh, and so for businesses like that, Bing and Yahoo may as well not exist. Uh, we usually will focus on Google and be like, okay, let's, let's work on that. And the other ones will kind of fall in line uh, as a result of that. With some, um, I hate to generalize, but really, I mean, businesses that can uh, have a good value for like an older generation, basically mm -hmm. the yeah. idea is, if you get a Windows computer and you don't know how to change your default browser, right. you're going to be a Bing user because it's going to load up Internet Explorer, default search engine is Bing. Uh, and so if, the, if those are your customers, you, you have customer interviews and you're like, hey, what operating system do you use? And they're like, oh, Windows, uh, whatever the latest version is. They're probably <laughs> right. using Bing. Uh, so that's something where you might want to think about, you know, how does my business appear in Bing at least? Like there's not a lot mm -hmm. that you really need to do differently for search engines. Like they okay. all kind of... They all do have the same goals at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Google tends to be smarter at figuring things out on their own. I mean, they have like some of the best data scientists and machine learning experts like literally in the world. So like they're pretty good uh, and they know, okay. they know their stuff. Uh, so there's things that they can figure out that like maybe Bing isn't going to do as well with. Mm. Um, but the principles remain the same. Okay. Well, let's talk about those principles. As Again, as a brick and mortar small business, where do we even start with our SEO? Do, yeah. do we do we name our business after the the city we're in? Is that how we start? <laughs> yeah, that one is a, it's absolutely a double edged sword. Uh, and you know what I will usually tell uh, folks is that if you're contemplating naming your business as an SEO play, it's not a good idea. Just like stop thinking <laughs> about it. Uh, but if you've already named your business something that like has your city name or your location name, 
uh, in its name, and that's like just something that came up organically, and you know that's just who you are, and that actually truly represents the brand you're trying to build. Then I think that's uh, a great thing, and it's going to also benefit your SEO. Um, okay. But I mean, you wouldn't really want to start a site like if you were a manufacturer of float tanks, you wouldn't want to say like, you know, best float tanks online is the name of our business. Um, <laughs> Because it's kind of spammy. Google can figure yeah. out that stuff when people wow. are going a little overboard. And it's mm. also, I mean, for when you get that aggressive, I think it can turn off users from your site as well uh, sure. and from just, like, trusting you as, like, is this a real business? <laughs> uh, but uh, when it's just, like, you know, if, if it's a concise uh, incorporation of, like, your city name, like Nashville, for example, I think that's a great <laughs> way to do it. Uh, that's, cool. that's a great thing, and I think uh, that'll have some long-term benefit. Interesting. Nice. So branching away from that, I mean, I'm, I'm the float shop. Uh, we got the float shack up in Canada. What, where do we start with our SEO? So let's just say we have a website or we're just starting our business and are about to make a website. What things should we consider? Yeah, if you were starting your business for the first time and uh, I was happy to see, I had looked at all of your uh, float sites for your oh. respective shops and I was like, okay, cool. These guys have the basics covered. Huh. Uh, because really, I mean, you can do a lot of fancy SEO stuff and like, you know, do these tactics that I like speak about. And sometimes they're not going to make a difference um, because pretty much everything we do supports one simple thing in the equation of, you know, Google evaluating your site. And that kind of core thing is your website's content. Um, that's at the end of the day, what everything else is going to be measured against. So if you have unique um, kind of well-written content on your website that's authentically speaking to like what you do and what your potential customers can get from the service you're offering, mm -hmm. uh, that's exactly what Google wants. And the rest of the stuff can really help shape that and play it uh, to your advantage more and more. Uh, but without that, you could do all of the latest and greatest SEO tactics on the technical side in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you didn't have any good content or if you're like ripping it off from other, another float mm -hmm. shop, um, <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so creating content that's like, uh, you know, from the heart, I think is one of the best things to do. But then also, I mean, you know, uh, and you can also collect this data from um, talking to your customers, like, you know, what did you look for in Google when you came to find our shop? If they can remember that stuff offhand. Uh, sure, I mean, sure. I think it's pretty obvious to guess what it is. It's going to be like, you know, float shop, float tanks, uh, right. immersion, uh, isolation tank kind of stuff. Yeah. And just make sure that you're speaking to that in your content. Um, one of the things that we've run into the startup world uh, a lot is, you know, speaking in these very lofty terms about your product and like, you know, it's going to make your life so much better. And they talk about all these things and how it's going to increase your ROI and reduce your marketing spend, mm -hmm. but they never really say what their product does. Uh, so when Google looks at it, they're like, okay, well, we know there's a lot of words on this page, but what is that page actually about? Um, so I think for a float shop, uh, it's comparatively much more straightforward. It's like, you know what you offer. You know the benefits. I mean, that's one of the great things that you guys can talk about for months, years on end is like right. with the benefits of floating. Like you can write your own content about that and that's going to go a long way. So let's talk about that. Uh, original content, right, is what you're describing? Yes. So that's not just having a website and having it being a, a, a tablet on the internet. We're talking about refreshing something that's what would you say a monthly blog post? I mean, let's talk about the different ways that we can generate original content for our websites beyond a written blog post what what should we be doing yeah definitely i mean and, and how frequent 
One of the things that I would recommend to pretty much any float shop owner, uh, if you have your own float business, is, and as the SEO guy, like it's my responsibility to say like, here's the best, uh, and you can decide if you like can get there or not. Uh, huh. I would say you want to be blogging, creating some kind of content that's for, basically it's um, a selfless offering of information to your <laughs> right. potential customers, whether or not they're gonna ultimately choose you. Um, sure. Some people write blog posts and just like it's a thousand word ad for like their product right. or service. And you're like, nobody's mm-hmm. going to read that. And they're like, mm-hmm. why isn't anybody sharing our piece on Facebook? It's like, I know why. Um, <laughs> and so really the ideal is going to be like doing that once a week if you can. I know that sounds like a lot, but sometimes it can be as easy as like a free form thing. Um, and one of the things that I, I just thought of uh, through the course of listening to like you guys talk uh, before this and then just knowing you personally, of course, Dylan, mm-hmm. is, you know, Asking the people who come into your shop, uh, or not even asking them, keeping like if you have something as simple as a small notebook that you have at your front desk when you're checking people in, or when people call you on the phone, like what do people ask when they're booking appointments? Or Uh, what do they want to know more about after they get out of their float session? mm, mm -hmm. Um, And that can be a goldmine of content. And especially, I mean, one of the things that we always tread carefully on with search engine optimization is like, duplication of content so if every float shop owner was like writing about the same topic in the same way mm-hmm. uh, it probably wouldn't have as much value but like just by merit of getting this directly from your customers like they're speaking in different terms they're using you know local language even like from different parts of the country uh, or the continent rather um, so you right. get unique content generated for you on your own and you almost you know, don't have the burden of trying to come up with your own content calendar. Like nice. you get it handed to you and you, all you have to do is talk about what you love, which is, let's tie that back. I mean, that's how I built my career in SEO is talking <laughs> about the stuff that I was passionate about. So you guys nice. can do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you, you mentioned um, that, that uh, thousand word essay that's really just a big ad, not getting, they're, they're wondering why they're not getting shares on Facebook. Well, let's say it, it is good content and it's been, what do Facebook shares on, yeah, what do, what do um, if I write a blog post and people are sharing that on Facebook, how does that impact my SEO? How does Google become aware of that? And where's the connection there? Does that make sense, my yeah. question? Okay. Yeah, so social shares and the impact on SEO. Uh, it's something that you know, we as marketers have been talking about for years, I mean, since the dawn of social networks. We're like, how can we play this to our advantage? Uh, which is, of course, like where every SEO's head goes automatically and, and sure, you have to like, sure. die yourself back a little bit. Uh, <laughs> there, so long story short, there is, uh, there's a positive correlation between social sharing and search engine visibility, uh, basically the position at which you rank in search. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you got a new blog post and it has a lot of Facebook shares, it's much more likely that it's going to rank higher in Google. That said, uh, there's not been a lot of proof that Facebook explicitly will directly impact how you show up in uh, social networks. I kind of suspect the, the correlation there is that you know, something that's just getting attention and is you know, naturally going to acquire Facebook likes and shares and stuff like that mm-hmm. is also going to be you know, more frequently read. One of the things that Google will look at is how often people are clicking into your site from their search results and if they're staying on your site. Mm-hmm. They can actually measure, uh, they call this pogo sticking, but if someone is going to Google search results, clicking into your site, and they're like, oh, we don't know, we didn't get what we were looking for, mm-hmm. they go back to search results, they hop into another site, mm-hmm. they're looking to see which site attra- uh, attracts that visitor and keeps them. And actually, you know, they can infer that that searcher's question has been answered. 
So that's what they look for. So uh, there's a really strong correlation between you know, a Facebook uh, post doing really well and that content legitimately being good. Um, so really, I would advise people against like agonizing over how many Facebook shares they get. But when it does happen, it's a great thing. Um, and I used to be able to say that Google Plus was a great social network for SEO. Like it's, I don't even use it anymore. So that's, that's <laughs> saying a lot. It's like the SEO guy doesn't use Google Plus anymore. Um, but back in the day, uh, in its heyday, like that was a goldmine for SEO. Uh, we had good data that mm. suggested that plus ones would really, really impact how well you appeared in search results. Um, oh, sure. But that said, I think social, network, social shares in general are just a good metric to kind of allow you to have a pulse on how people are reacting to your content. Like, are you mm -hmm. creating stuff that resonates? Um, cool. And the also thing to keep in mind with Facebook is like, unless, unfortunately, you're a Facebook advertiser, like your visibility, your, uh, they call it organic reach, uh, is going to be pretty limited. Like Google, or Facebook, rather, really wants you to start promoting your posts. Uh, right. And that's just like an invariable thing. I mean, they, I think they launched it like a couple months before they had their IPO. So they were like, how do we get more revenue? Uh, oh, let's wow. do that. So that, that happens. Um, and that's one thing that I would even say on like Facebook Live is um, Facebook Live, I think, is really cool and really exciting. I've seen like some good stuff already just like as a, a user of Facebook. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, and I kind of want to use it as a marketer as well. But the golden rule of digital marketing is, and this is nev uh, never more true than with SEO, is everything you love will be taken from you. Uh, right, right. <laughs> every tactic that works really well and you fall in love with, like uh. Google or Facebook or Bing, they're going to like put the kibosh on it at some point. Um, so I would not be surprised if in the next year or so, if Facebook Live really takes hold, mm -hmm. if suddenly they're like, hey, pay to have this promoted to your followers. Totally. Uh, or otherwise, you'll, you know, 6% of the people that follow your page will see it rather than, you know, right. close to 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm, almost 100% sure they're only promoting it so hard because they're just promoting their own product and they want it to be the next way people share content, as, as Lance put it last week. Is, is that right? And then as soon as it has some saturation point, uh, businesses in particular, I'm sure, are going to be going right back to the way our posts are currently, and we need to pay for those to, to reach people. Do you, yeah. Is that what you foresee as well? I think that, that may be kind of the way things eventually go. Uh -huh. But, I mean, that said, I mean, if you're doing creating that content and having those conversations authentically, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think there's a downside to doing it. Right, like, right. That seems to be what I'm getting a lot from yeah. you is, like, SEO yeah. <laughs> isn't hacking your website. It's being earnest and creating genuine content. Is that pretty accurate? I would say so. <laughs> well, now, let's say it's not Facebook, but let's say I'm creating a YouTube video, and gosh, that's owned by Google, too. So if I'm creating... Um, uh, video vlogs uh, mm -hmm. for, for my website, for my float center, are, that goes through the same um, kind of criteria. As long as people are watching it, there's value to it. Google's going to recognize that. Um, so yeah. It, okay, so anything beyond the written word, as long as content is being produced, that's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I cool. would say uh, for stuff like that, if you're, I mean, of course you do this with the podcasts, uh, but you know, YouTube videos, even Facebook Live videos that can be embedded, after the fact on your own site, uh, double up on that and make it so that when people who maybe don't follow you on Facebook or don't subscribe to your YouTube channel, like they Google some random kind of longer search phrase and they end up on one of your blog posts. Uh -huh. If that has a video, there's a lot of data to suggest those people are going to be much more likely to actually, you know, book an appointment or buy a product, oh, fill out a contact form uh, once they engage with some of that more interactive content. Mm -hmm. 
Well, speaking of interactive, does it matter? Like, so if I just make a post, it'll get a few, a few likes, it might get a few comments on it. If I ask a question that's actually intriguing to our clientele, um, it gets a lot more reaction. Is, is, does that help things at all? The, like the actual interaction on, say, social media? Yeah, I mean, that absolutely will play into how Facebook evaluates your posts. Um, you know, they want to see content that's more engaging to people on Facebook, so they stay longer on Facebook. Uh, so they, oh, they, they measure all that stuff. I mean, Facebook, in a way, is kind of like a search engine where the query is implied. Uh, it's like, mm -hmm. Facebook, give me something interesting. Uh, and so that's what their algorithm is designed to do, is like give you the most interesting content that they think is going to keep you on the site longer. Um, so yeah, when they can see that people are responding to your posts uh, and um, you know, reacting to them and all that good stuff, uh, it's going to pay dividends. Um, I want to ask about, um, going back to small business, but most specifically float centers. How important is SEO for a float center? Because I think about somebody wanting to search uh, in, I mean, Portland is one example, but I mean, we have, we have a number of float centers, so you could, you could make an argument for SEO competition. But say there's one or two, or, or let's say there's just enough that it, it fills up your front page. How important is it to be at the top if, A, you're the only float center in your town, but let's say there's three to five, how important is it to be that, that first uh, search item? Yeah, uh, some of the older studies that we have on, uh, we call it click-through rate just distribution in the industry is like, you know, what, uh, what's the breakdown of like, you know, say you have this pool of 100% of users, what is the first position going to get? What is the second position going to get? Uh, mm -hmm. And the majority is, of course, going to go to what's above the fold, uh, which is basically means before you have to scroll down the page. Uh -huh. So if you're ranking first, like it used to be, that that was like, you know, 85% plus of people on the page would click on that first result. Uh, and then it kind of degraded from there, like, you know, 15% for the second one, like 5% for the third, all the way down to like 1% for like the last uh, one. Wow. The thing that's changed a lot in recent years, though, is Google's, uh, you know, drive to have more ads on the top of their pages. So oh. I don't think this is true of the float industry because there's just not that much advertising competition. But if you look at some of like the crazy, like if you look at beauty products, for example, uh, there's instances where you'll see a search result where like you don't see a natural listing above the fold. Like you have to scroll before you get to oh, the number wow. one uh, natural search result. Like they've, uh, you know, increased it to like four ads at the top of the page before you see anything that's not paid for. Fascinating. Uh, so it's kind of in a funny situation for people who make SEO their career is like, you know, if we do our best, we're still not, you know, above uh, four other people that could be your competitors. Sure. So one of the things to think about, too, is like it can make sense uh, even for a small business owner to allocate a little bit to like uh, paid advertising with Google as well. Uh, I kind of hate saying that. It's like the paid people are my mortal enemies. Uh, right. <laughs> so but so, yeah, yeah, speaking of that, like yeah. I, I gloss over the advertisement like I, I am vitriolically opposed to clicking on the ads unless uh, I'm using it so they have to pay a fraction of a penny for my click-through. Like, that's the only time is with vitriol. I like, I know you're paying for this, so I'm, I'm clicking through, even though I was searching organically, you know, and would, yeah. could have clicked on the other link. So, um, <laughs> gosh, what was my question? Oh, is, do, do general, in general, are people clicking on the advertised Google search? Uh, yes. Pop up. Yeah, it's, it's very Damn. frequently, um, and it's still a very... Um, 
very effective effective marketing discipline. Uh, you know, people who do that, and actually, one of the things that uh, is interesting, our clients ask about that all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things we're always upfront about is like, that's not in our skill set. Like, we could do it, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not something we're ever going to be great at, and it's not something we're super interested in. Like, it takes someone who's really into data and spreadsheets uh, to be excited about doing that every day. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I understand like, of course, from the business owner perspective and then just like as a person who's not into that kind of stuff, like it's not the most attractive thing to be like, let me spin up some ads for my business and use Google's Mm -hmm. terrible interface, uh, to manage all of that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I would think about exploring it. I know like AdWords will give you like a hundred dollars of credit to spend if you sign up for a new account. Right. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing to like be able to test the waters on that. But yeah, mm-hmm. people do do that. Um, do click on ads very frequently. Um, definitely more so with like you know uh, not necessarily Bing, but the demographic that is into Bing. Uh, when they're on Google, uh, they kind of tend to uh, oh, gravitate funny. to those ads. A lot sure. of people will uh, you know even without even thinking, uh, even people who are savvy about how the web works and how Google works, like just click on the first thing if it's easy. Uh, if that's like, okay, that seems like it answers my question, click. You, know, you right, have to think about right. it. Yep. So again, going back to the, the float industry where, the, where we're, we're not in this highly competitive, it's not online per se. You know, you're dealing with brick and mortars, so it's going to be a very small number of businesses. How important, I mean, you said 85% in previous studies. Do you have any idea what it's looking like now? Are people more savvy to scroll or not scroll necessarily, but click on the second link or the third link? Or does that first one, is that the most important thing? Yeah, the distribution is definitely getting, um, is leveling out a bit to be more even across the search results, uh, both paid and organic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing a, a, a kind of an evening out uh, where it's like, it's no longer that important to be like the number one thing. Um, but one of the things we've started talking about as an industry is the idea of being at position zero in search results. So one of the things that you'll see, uh, and this can come up if you Google like a question, I'm sure everyone has seen this at one point, but like Google will generate uh, a basically a snippet preview of like, here's yes. the answer to your question. Like, how tall was Ronald Reagan? Uh, <laughs> it's going to see like, what site has this information that we think is credible? And they're going to show them before anything else. Uh, and that's actually a reflection of like their move towards fulfilling mobile search better and eventually having, you know, more search results on wearables and technology is basically taking oh, these information nuggets and making them readily available. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a reflection of, their efforts to go towards that. Um, so that's not going to go away. And that's what we kind of refer to as position zero in search. And there's a, I mean, that's a great way that by creating content, you're kind of, uh, without even doing anything outright, you're kind of making yourself eligible to show up for some of those like very, maybe not, you know, they're not the most searched things in the world, but they are, you know, very relevant. That's something that somebody was thinking about and wanted to know, like what are the benefits of float tank therapy? Uh, they're going to Google that, and if you have a good answer to that, you have a chance to show up as that position zero result before anything else. Nice. So that's kind of cool. That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, again, just original content and like earnest content sounds like the key is what I'm hearing over and over here. Um, I am curious about, uh, and this is Google specific, and, and I know somebody on our Facebook facilitators, facilitators group asked this recently. Um, and, and this was a big deal for, for us when we first opened was our competition, Float On. You'd search Float Portland, and they would have their name and like several of their pages listed at the top as well. 
Um, so can you talk to us about why that happens and how to get yours? And is there only one that's going to be listed there? Or can you have multiples? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, is great is the ability to have these presences on these different platforms. Uh, so, you know, having Yelp, uh, you have like a Google local page that you have for your business that you can, pro you can claim. Most float shop owners seem to have done that already. Sure. Uh, and then you have your own website. You might have TripAdvisor, for example, and then Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, so you have a lot of kind of chances, really, uh, to show up for stuff. And when you search for something like, you know, um, float tanks in Portland, Google's going to just still try to figure out what's the most relevant for that. And one of those metrics, of course, is popularity. So if it sees people going to, like, uh, a specific Yelp page, it's probably going to, you know, continue to serve that one up until it finds something better. Um, so I would say generally, as a, you know, a person who has their own float business, uh, claim all of those um, profiles mm -hmm. on the different social networks. Make sure that you are, uh, you know, at least claiming your Yelp page if you haven't. Uh, and if, you're not, if you don't have one, set it up for yourself. Uh, monitor those reviews. And one of the things that I, you know, it seems like it shouldn't need to be said, um, but not getting like mad when you get bad reviews. Uh, I mean, of course, it's like our instinctive business owners, like, you know, right. somebody's critiquing me or like, this. you know, the, they're crazy, like I do a great job. And hopefully it's most of the time that's true. Um, but I find that reacting with empathy in those situations and like doing what you can to like, see how you can make it right. Those mm -hmm. platforms now will allow you to have these transparent conversations with, you know, a potentially disgruntled customer. Uh, and that looks much, much better yes. from a search perspective than oh, like trying to figure out how you delete that review or how you <laughs> like respond to them with like, you know, all caps and you're like, this person <laughs> is crazy. And I, I think we, everybody's probably seen, what was I? It's like a cupcake shop on uh, one of those restaurant undercover series that like basically oh, no. went out of business because like they were just like horrible to the people who reviewed them. And then people started <laughs> being horrible to them to get a reaction. Uh, it was nice. crazy. Like, I don't know if that was like the right way to do it uh, for humanity, but, uh, but that kind of stuff can happen. So like be nice to even the people who are mad at you. Uh, and that's a great way to do it. And, and that's a great way to get yourself with that full listing. Do you know what I'm talking about where it has the yeah. different pages? Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and another thing that I'll drop really quick, and we uh, could spend hours on this. Uh, there's a company, uh, an SEO company called Moz. Uh, they're based up in Seattle. They do some really great stuff. But one of the resources they have uh, that they've created, well, it's actually a product, uh, but it's called Moz Local. And, and what that does, and I, I like usually don't go on podcasts and like tell people to buy stuff, but like it's a legitimately great service. Uh, is what it'll allow you to do is if you have a local business, it'll go and scour the web and see where your business has been talked about and what location information is attached to it. Because hmm. that's one of the most important things in local search is we call it the NAP. It's uh, the name, address, and phone number. Hmm. So what Google is trying to figure out when they're trying to rank local results is they want to see your business showing up both whether or not it's a link to your site or whether it's just like text on a page like in yellow pages um, they want to see like the float shop has the same address in Portland, has the same phone number. If they see that across a wide variety of sources, oh, they're going to say, okay, this is legitimate. Like there's, this is a very well-established business. Like if they see you on, you know, better business bureau, like your local chamber of commerce, stuff like that, they're huh. going to say, okay, these guys are legit. So what Moz Local will do is check all of those listings, allow you to actually update that information where it finds errors uh, nice. or inconsistencies. Uh -huh. uh, and that's going to go a long way. And it's like, it's less than 90 bucks a year to have that subscription. 
Uh, and that's probably the best money you could spend doing SEO uh, as a local business owner. I love it. Well, we'll definitely put a link up to them um, on the show notes here. That's fantastic. I didn't think I could love Napa anymore, but I think I do. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm curious, Mike. Um, is there any way yeah. to like reverse search some of the keywords? So if I want to reverse search sensory deprivation first flotation, can I search those words and see which one people are uh, using the most? Oh, to, to kind of see how many people, you know, generally like per month, for yeah. example, are searching for a specific term. Yeah, you can actually. So this is one of the cool, interesting ways you can hack uh, Google's advertising platform to a degree is if you sign up for, um, you don't even need to sign up for it, but if you have a, a Google registered address, like a Gmail account, you can go to Google AdWords and they have a tool in there called the Keyword Planner. And through that, you can actually dump in a list of keywords and it'll return to you the, vol the approximate volume uh, of searches per month on that. So you can see stuff and like, you know, of course you plug in like floating, it's gonna say like 10 million people search for this a month because like it has no idea what that is. It's very, very broad. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you search for like isolation tank therapy, like it's gonna tell you, you know, 900 people search for that per month. It's very heavily rounded data. So take it with a grain of salt, but it is great for finding um, how terms, uh, perform compared to one another. So if you have like a couple similar things in your head, like what's the right way to say this, you can get a good idea of like what's the most popular one among people who are searching on Google. Cool. Amy, did you have any questions for Mike? No, you know, my, uh, my biggest fascination is with content and he really went into that and that was fascinating to me. Um, because I'm hearing a lot of people say the content isn't king anymore. It really doesn't matter as wow. much. Um, but the... But it sounds like what you're saying is what I've been hearing um, the whole time I've been working with Float Nashville is not that I do it, but we should have weekly um, blog posts. Mm -hmm. uh, but how about updates to the website as well? Um, frequent updates. I've heard that that's important as far as SEO goes. What, what would you say about that? Yeah, I would say, you know, in the early 2000s, there was a kind of idea that like keeping your website, you know, fresh was a really important thing to like, you know, mm -hmm. tweaking the code a little bit or like adding a couple lines of, of content uh, was enough to kind of show the search, show search engines that your site was active and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Really, that's not going to go anywhere uh, these days. But that content play, um, you know, show it, not necessarily saying like just my website is generally changing, but like I'm regularly creating stuff for your users. Uh, that's a great signal to put out there. Um, so from that perspective, I would say that's absolutely still relevant. Um, but in the terms of like the, the old uh, bygone days of SEO hacking, uh, perhaps not so relevant any longer. Can, can I ask a question that might be on that same page? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, in my opinion, that it's bygone is the, the keywords that you can put in under a web page listing um, or tags that you can put in, are those still relevant? Because I think it used to be to educate the, the, like Google on what your page is about, but now it seems like it's smarter than that. Is that true or not? Yeah, um, so I'll lead up to answering that question through something that's totally off topic, but like Perfect. one of the things that I've always enjoyed about Instagram and hashtags is it's really like the purest mm. search engine uh, ever. Really what it's gonna tell you is like, you, know, you tag your content manually and you click on it and it's telling you stuff that's explicitly tagged with that. So right. that was kind of the idea of meta keywords is like, mm. You know, there's a search engine that like, um, I mean, Instagram, I think it's deliberately simplified, but with Google, it was like, you know, they're a very basic search engine. They're still trying to figure out how they crack the nut of understanding content. 
So in the meantime, let's rely on keywords uh, because that's going to give us clues as to what your content is about. That literally has not been a successful tactic probably for 15 years. Uh, <laughs> okay. But you'll absolutely still see it in use today. Um, and Google doesn't really worry about this so much. They'll actually just flat out ignore that tag if they see it on your site. It's called the meta keywords tag. Um, one of the things that Bing has been known to do is actually look for people aggressively using that tag and actually use it as a negative ranking factor. Uh, so if they see you like putting 100 keywords in that meta oh. keywords tag, they're like, that looks like a spam site. Uh, so they can, they'll look at that and be like, yeah, we don't really trust that as much as we would otherwise. Um, so general best practice, like leave that off your site. If it's easy to remove that line completely from your site's source code, go ahead and do that. Um, and also one of the things I wanted to just drop uh, in terms of like some advice for float shop, uh, um, you know, float company owners who are maybe looking for like SEO help or an SEO advisor of some sort. Yeah. Uh, really, I don't have as many good tips for finding one as red flags to pay attention to. Um, perfect, perfect. So if you hear anyone mention like, we're going to set up your meta keywords, of course, red flag, uh, run the other way. If they mention keyword density, uh, they learned SEO in the 90s. And uh, that's, I mean, that was like the first job I had. And like I learned a month later, uh, that was just like not even a thing back then. Um, so that's something that I still, I saw um, a, a pretty major business. They had worked with a, an SEO consultant the prior month. And he was like, so they evaluated our keyword density and like gave us this report. And they're like, how much did you pay with this for this? And I didn't, I don't even want to say how much they paid for this person to do this. And it was like literally probably a 10 second tool that, uh, you know, found this keyword output. And they're oh. like, you need to increase your keyword density from 3% to 5%. Oh my God. Uh, so something, yeah, ridiculous like that. It's, it's search is not that simple. Um, mm -hmm. and, and again, it's about using content, using the language that your searchers are, are actually using when they go to search. Uh, and then the final red flag would, I can't say this, you know, without qualification, but when link building is mentioned, I would kind of get cold feet. Uh, but the one thing to definitely pay attention to is if somebody comes to you and says, we're going to give you X number of links per month, um, for whatever the dollar amount is, if they can guarantee a specific number of links, it's because they have learned to game the system and they have a temporary mm -hmm. solution that mm -hmm. Google hasn't caught on to yet. Mm -hmm. So like they might have a network of sites, they might have partnerships with other shady link providers, and they're gonna be like, oh, hey, we got you know floatshopx.com, uh, give them 50 links this month. Uh, and then they do that until Google decides to penalize every site that's in that network. Uh, and so it's, it's a bad situation and, and particularly tragic for small business owners uh, mm -hmm. who get into those situations. And I've mm -hmm. unfortunately seen people who have had to fold their businesses over stuff like that uh, because Google just decided, like, you know, we found that your site has no natural links to it uh, uh, and we can't uh, trust it anymore and it gets removed from Google's index. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's tricky. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say in terms of if anybody's saying you need link building, you do, but you can attract links on your own by doing legitimate stuff, being a real business owner, and delighting your customers. Got it. So those are, those are the red flags, but can I ask, is it a good choice to... Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm asking the wrong person here. Maybe I'm asking the right person. I don't know. But when, when does somebody make the choice to hire somebody for SEO improvement? Yeah. I mean, the worst thing in the world for me is having a client pay for an SEO strategy or SEO recommendations that they can never, that they never end up doing anything with. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of SEO, this is a very common thing, is you'll work with an SEO and they'll give you 
recommendations on how you can improve your site. And they'll say like either, you know, change this in your WordPress settings uh, mm -hmm. or add this content to your page or write, you know, a blog post a week on these mm -hmm. topics. If you don't have the resources to, to play your part in that, sure. uh, it's a waste of money. And it's, it's super mm -hmm. sad, but I mean, some SEO agencies may be perfectly happy to do that. Um, but I would, the question I would ask whenever you're think, if you're thinking about going into SEO is if you're going to partner with somebody, do you have time to put effort back into that partnership? Because it absolutely is a partnership. Um, and there, I mean, there's very, very few SEO companies that can go off and be entirely self-sufficient and like make your site rank better without you doing anything. Uh, so don't go into the, it with the expectation that like, hey, hiring an SEO person means I don't have to do anything for SEO. Because they're absolutely going to come back and say, okay, we need X, Y, and Z uh, to help make this a success. Um, so it's, yeah. it's almost more like a fitness coach. It's like somebody who's going to help you get better as opposed to do the work for you. Is that right? Exactly. And I think that's a great metaphor. Um, and one of the things that I would say, like, if you're talking to a fitness coach or an SEO person, like, if they're getting annoyed when you're asking questions or if they're like, <laughs> they don't have the time to explain like why a specific exercise works for you. Like mm. maybe that's not a great fit for you. Uh, but if they're like, you know, they want to educate you and they know mm -hmm. that like, that's how they're going to be able to do the best work. Like that's a probably, uh, probably a good sign. And so maybe um, focusing down again a little bit further is when, when does somebody make the choice to, and, and again, we're talking about small businesses here to, to hire somebody yeah. for SEO. Yeah, I would say, uh, as a blanket kind of rule of thumb, like you'll want to have been in business, I would say for about a year uh, before you even think about it. Um, at some point, having um, having an infant site is just not going to, it, you're gonna have limited potential a little bit for the first year. Okay. Um, and that's just, you know, it's a new site and I hate um, this term called uh, domain age is something we used to talk about way back in the day and there used to be like this incentive for people to try to go out and buy like domains that had previously been established and be like, oh, well, we need the domain age. Google <laughs> does acknowledge that to like a minuscule degree, but it's like nothing worth paying extra money over. Um, and so you just kind of want to be able to have some time to like get, you know, get a hang of running a business on your own, uh, of course, for, you know, about a year, like get some uh, website content up that you feel good about, uh, start building relationships with your customers. And then at that point, you know, once a year goes by or so, uh, you'll be ready to actually get the most that SEO has to offer. Uh, so I think that's usually the right time. And I would say, you know, you want to do SEO, but I can't say I would ever recommend only doing SEO. Like for a site, <laughs> you know, if we look at a site and like 90% of their web traffic is from Google search, like that, there's something wrong with that. It's sure. like basically if Google changes their algorithm, like, and it kills your business, like mm. that's nobody's fault but your own. Like, mm -hmm. really, you should have been doing social media. You should have been, like, mm -hmm. sending emails to your customers, um, you know, getting them to review you on these different uh, kind of review local sites, uh, stuff like that. So it's not, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Like, nice. simple, ageless advice. <laughs> I love it. Let me ask you a completely self-serving question that's not even for our audience here. Which Wonderful. Is, I, <laughs> I realize I've never asked for iTunes review iTunes reviews on this show. Um, because I figured if anybody's going to be finding this show, like it's not going to be based on iTunes recommending it, you know? So how important is it for me to get, uh, spread, spread, spread the word through things like reviews for this show in particular, a podcast that's for such a, such a niche yeah. group. I mean, the way I look at it, like, why not? 
Um, I think it's a super easy tagline to put at the end of your podcast. You know, I'm a big right. fan of podcasts myself, listen to them all. Like, they, they might as well be using the same script. Like, everybody asks for the same thing, and they kind of ask for it generally the same way. And, like, I don't think people are turned off by it at all. Um, it's like if you got something of value out of this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps our ratings and will allow more people to get this good information. Like, nice. it's, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty transparent and authentic, and I don't think it hurts at all. All right, fantastic. Plus, okay, yes. here's the SEO guy coming back into the, the conversation. Oh, good. Is you can take <laughs> the him. content from those iTunes reviews and repurpose that on your website and say, like, you know, ah. person X from Nashville said, like, you know, the uh, Art of the Float is a great podcast and taught me this much about whatever. Uh, and put that on your site. You can have a testimonials page that you didn't have to do any extra work for necessarily. It's like, nice. and, and it's also, you know, it's transparent. It's not deceptive in any way. Sure, um, sure. But you could even say like, hey, we loved your review on iTunes so much. You reach out to that person, uh, mm-hmm. start a conversation with them, you know, bring them in closer as a customer and be like, we'd love to feature your review on our website. Nice, uh, cool. Because we love that you got something from us. Well, can I ask you another one that's going to go a little bit broader to yeah. hopefully our, our listener base? Still self-serving, which is the float shop is upgrading its website um, or having a refresh. I mean, basically built from scratch using a lot of the content from the old one, but it's a whole new refresh. Is my SEO going to transfer over and how do we do that in a way that it does if, if possible? Yes. So uh, the biggest thing that you'll want to do and... Um, so the SEO, uh, the, the response is the SEO can transfer over, um, okay. but that's a heavily qualified statement because the biggest thing that you'll want uh, to pay attention to, I, I would say if at all possible, avoid changing your URLs. And it's mm-hmm. quite possible that people listening to this don't even know what that means. Uh, sure. Basically, it's what is in your address bar when you visit your site. So you click around to different pages, the uh, address up top changes. So if those stay in place, uh, you're going to have a much better chance of things going smoothly or, and as seamlessly as they possibly can. Um, basically, what Google is going to look for is if they detect a change in your website and they see that the content is pretty much the same uh, topically, you're going to mm-hmm. be able to maintain your visibility, you know, your ranking okay. for a given page. Um, okay. But if on the other side of the, uh, of the coin, if you said like, you know, the floatshop.com slash floating, like we're going to change that page to you know, floating in Portland, which mm-hmm. sounds legit. Uh, that's fine. A little heavy-handed on the SEO keyword incorporation. <laughs> but if you change that and you didn't, um, we call it 301 redirecting. Basically, you provide an instruction to a browser. Like you know, if you go to Google Chrome or Firefox, you're browsing the web. When you go and say, like, you're telling your browser, you type in the floatshop.com slash floating, you need to be able to tell it, like, hey, this page has moved. Um, and so a very common thing, which is very unfortunate, is a lot of the time that gets forgotten. And uh, that page that was once the right location will return an error. And Google is going to uh, say, oh, right. that page is gone. And there's also this new page, which they won't really tie together on their own. Sure. Uh, it's funny, you figure after like you know 20 plus years of uh, being a search engine, they could kind of piece that together, but they don't. Um, and so that's probably the biggest thing you want to watch out for, is if you're changing the URLs on your website, uh, Get somebody, like, even if it's an entry-level developer um, that, like, you know, you know, I have a nephew that, like, is going to school for web development. Be like, hey, can you make sure I, here's the key phrase, uh, I want to 301 all of my old pages to my new pages. Uh, make sure that gets taken care of, and then you'll, you'll for the most part, be pretty good. But okay. at, at the end of the day, if there's anything significantly changing your website other than, like, a refresh, um, there is risk 
for having something uh, potentially go wrong. Uh, usually, even in, in the best cases, there's going to be a month or two of mm. kind of turmoil in mm-hmm. your visibility and your search traffic. But if everything goes right, you should get back to normal pretty quickly. Okay. Um, but that's actually probably a good, um, to go back to our earlier thing we were talking about, probably a good point where you might want to start looking for SEO help is if you're planning mm. a, an update to your website or construction of an entirely new website, get some, uh, a little bit of expert help would be a great thing. Okay. Um, would you be the right person to go to for us as small businesses or are you only dealing with larger companies? Yeah, I, primarily, and this is funny, um, sometimes I, I crack up saying this, is like I freely will tell clients like we're not a good fit for you. Um, <laughs> and so it's uh, as much as I love to help smaller businesses, like that's really not what Upbuild does. However, I would love to make myself available to anyone who's like facing an SEO um, you know, potential situation. They're like, I think I'm really going to need this. Like people can contact me. They can go to upbuild.com and email us. Um, and I'll figure out one, if I can easily help you, uh, Mm -hmm. with some free advice or Mm -hmm. two, you know, maybe it makes sense to engage with us. We are pretty like, we're, we're the high powered option. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, our pricing is not conducive to small businesses, (laughs) unfortunately, but I know a lot of people, um, who Mm -hmm. are in the SEO industry and I know people who do great work at lower price points and like their passion is helping small businesses. And I love connecting people with someone who's gonna treat them right and uh, allow them to grow their business through SEO. Nice. So uh, I'd be happy to be that resource for anyone. Beautiful. I, I have two more questions if I may. Um, one is, is uh, um, I always think of SEO as Google's learning through um, your searches, your, I mean, search engine optimization, right? But mm-hmm. is Chrome, Google Chrome, going to be learning what you type in your browser as well? Um, or is there any other way, like if I'm using uh, Safari uh, or Firefox, is, is there any impact on SEO by putting something directly into my browser? And I'm talking about not using it as your search engine because I know it has that option as well now. But mm-hmm. if I directly type something in? Yeah. So Google Chrome, of course, like a very self-serving kind of product in that it's going to allow Google to get a lot of information about search. And it's uh, kind of a pretty uh, unquestioned belief that Google is collecting that information from Google Chrome and how people use the web. Uh, They can see, you know, how often you're going into sites and then back to the search results. They can see how frequently you, you, you use search. And one of the things that, you know, is commonly overlooked. So if you're trying to measure your site's SEO and saying like, I want to show up you know, at least number three in Google search. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you are, um, what like if you're at your friend's house or if you're at your shop, if you're on the other side of the country, you could potentially get completely different search results. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Google is doing everything they can to create a personalized search experience. So like your local browser that you've had a lot of history with, it's going to know like you visit basically the flowshop.com, you are there every day. So you'll search for stuff and it'll show up right away because Google's like, I know this person wants to see that. So you might like get a false sense of uh, success and be like, hey, I'm doing Mm -hmm. great, Mm -hmm. Um, but not necessarily. So uh, there's a lot of personalization that goes on, um, but even outside of Chrome. uh, But yeah, Chrome is probably, you know, the leading uh, data source for Google on, you know, search usage. So uh, there's a lot of information they can pull from that. Nice. Uh, Finally, to wrap it up, um, so I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I think it's a fantastic show, but I'm finding the one that I'm more excited about uh, is Silicon Valley. And I am, I, I've talked to people who write code who can't watch the show. They basically don't find it funny because it's too accurate. Do you enjoy Silicon Valley? 
I love Silicon Valley, and nice. I, there are people on my team who won't wear off the show for the same reasons. Um, there's like it is too close to home. Uh, and a true story is uh, when I was starting up Build, like that was the thing I did when I wanted to procrastinate. Uh, as I watched season two of Silicon Valley, I would just like rewatch episodes if I was like, I can't deal with this right now. Like I, I don't know how this is gonna go. Like am I gonna get right. any clients in, in month one? Uh, and so I, I watched uh, Silicon Valley, then I'd be like, okay, I'm kind of excited to do this startup thing. Oh, nice. And nice. then I get back into it. Uh, That's so awesome. It holds a special place in my heart. I love it. That's a great answer. And, and if I can give, uh, thank you so much. You've given an immense, amazing amount of information. I can't believe how much you just have at the ready in that brain of yours. That was awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, if, if I can just say that that whole up and down feeling, we've talked about that a few times on the show of like, uh, for us, you know, we have sales throughout the day. And so we really feel that up and down feeling day to day, or we can, but what we've learned is look at it much more, I mean, honestly, month to month and even year to year, which is ridiculous to somebody to say to somebody who just started their business, but it really starts to become that you, you really understand these waves happen and you don't have to have to freak out as, you know, the bank account gets low or that the sales are slow, whatever it is, like, you know, it all just happens. So I, I know that you're going to continue to be very successful. And if you can just do away with that stress as soon as possible, it's only yeah. going to benefit you. Um, if I could give anything back your way, that's what I would say. Wonderful. Uh, and, and finally, do you guys have anything else that you want to wrap this up with Lance or Amy? I feel like I did a lot of the questions tonight. <laughs> I do. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit before we got started. But do website platforms have any bearing on SEO as like Wix as opposed to WordPress as mm. opposed to Squarespace? Um, any information or input on those? Yeah, I would say, you know, my default and what I still tell people I work with all the time is like WordPress is probably the most accessible and easy to adapt for SEO. Um, so if you're like moderately comfortable in anything kind of related to you know basic web principles and design, like WordPress is a great option. Like for someone coming in who knows like literally nothing about the web, like it can be a bit of a learning curve to hop in there and feel confident about like creating your own website. Uh, but on the other hand, if somebody sets it up for you um, and then you just have to maintain it and add content to it, it's great. And out of the box, it's fairly SEO friendly. Uh, and there's plenty of great enhancements that you can like layer on top of that. Uh, Wix and Squarespace are suitable options as well. They kind of simplify everything and make it, of course, as user-friendly as possible. The issue that I've kind of seen with small businesses uh, getting on those sites is you kind of end up getting locked in. Um, so if you ever like decide, I need more customiz uh, customization mm -hmm. than like Squarespace can offer, or you know, I want to get you know more advanced in SEO, like there's going to be uh, a ceiling where you kind of top out mm -hmm. on what you're able to do. Uh, and also you like lock into a monthly fee and stuff like that. And sometimes they can hold hostage some of your data. Um, uh, don't want to call anybody out specifically, but, um, yeah, I, I, WordPress is great. And also the thing is if you ever do need help, uh, anything that you can find on the web as a platform that's, uh, uses the, this keyword open source. So if anything is open source, it means anyone can access, uh, the software for free. Uh, and that means it's easier for developers to learn this stuff. And it just means there's a much wider talent pool to choose from. So you don't need to sign up for the product to learn it. You don't have to pay money to like be able to understand how to be a developer for this platform. Um, so those people, those places where there's even like a small barrier to entry, there's a lot less competent help out there for you when you might need it. 
to know. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, very good. Thank yeah. you again. Um, wonderful, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show. I think this has been incredibly valuable. I can't wait for this to get to the community. I think uh, this is just going to up everybody's game and just overall knowledge, uh, understanding of, of SEO and empower them for their own small businesses, for, the, for our, all our flotrepreneurs out there. So thank you so much. Um, and is there anything else you want to add um, b before we sign off this week? No, I think I'm really uh, actually pretty good. I got to talk a lot, which is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But thank you for having me on. And I'm just so delighted to have been of service and uh, to provide nice. value to your listeners. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to our uh, SEO episode. Thanks, Mike, for being with us. So awesome. Um, as always, again, just want to mention that you can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, on Twitter at Artful Floating, and on Instagram at Artful Floating as well. If you have any questions, um, we can follow up with Mike uh, if you do have any questions. So again, feel free to leave a speak pipe or shoot us an email. And, and as he said, you can also get in contact with him directly as well if you like. So until next week, everybody, we'll see you next week. Art of the Float.